because everything's so up and down at the moment, more so than ever, and I get that feeling across the board. There's a lot of uncertainty around there. Um, I mean, it's, it's not the most certain of industries at the best of times. The restaurant landscape is always changing. Restaurants are closing, restaurants are opening. Something that I think we've probably all noticed is the preponderance of groups, people who are consolidating the back end and opening, you know, a number of restaurants, sometimes dozens of restaurants. Uh, I think in such a landscape, I think that's all interesting and good restaurants can come from that. But I think it's important, especially to treasure our independent restaurants around the country and the people who work so hard to keep them afloat, make them flourish and look after their community. Today, our guest is Mike Baker. He is an owner at Henry Sugar in Carlton North in Melbourne. Mike, welcome to Dirty Linen. Thanks, Danny. Really good to have you on the show. Um, I love what you're doing at Henry Sugar. Uh, for people who haven't been there, can you tell us a bit about the restaurant? Yeah, so we have always focused on local produce. It's taken us uh, a long time, I guess, to find our identity. Um, myself coming from quite a fine dining background, but that's not what we wanted to create there. So now we um, work with as many Australian producers as we possibly can. The food is simplified over the years, but it's rustic with all the all the flavors and the and the surprise and the twists that you are often associated with a sort of higher level of dining, but it's very honest and yeah, it's quite it's it's a lot more rustic these days, I would say. And tell us about the community that you're part of, you know the, the, who who comes to the restaurant and what kind of experience do they have? A lot of locals come. That's uh, that's what's got us through COVID, or it's a big part of what's got us through. Um, but we also have people coming from all over the show. I mean, word of mouth, despite all the um, all the advertising and the and the and the social media and the um, SEO and things you can do to raise the profile of your restaurant, nothing seems to be as as strong and authentic as word of mouth. You know. Mm. That's kind of refreshing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it is. But it's um, but it, 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 yeah, it's still it's still challenging. Um, I think you know you, everything needs to be in line. But the yeah, uh, I think word of mouth and I guess just that organic. And the same goes for SEO as well. You know, like just the the, the organic articles, the things that you can't really pay for, are, are sort of more powerful than getting all of that back end stuff in line. I feel you know. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, well, speaking of the back end, you know, we love to talk about the business of hospitality here on Dirty Linen. And you, I, I suppose it'd be a rare restaurant that hasn't experimented with different models um, over the last few years. But tell us about some of the shifts that you've made and, and the reasoning behind it. Mm. Yeah, look, uh, I think our biggest two shifts have been in uh, trying to become a more of a, a casual place because uh, I think we've always been perceived as, as as quite fancy. I feel like it's quite hard to put your finger on. It's a number of it's a number of things, you know, lighting and that kind of thing. Uh, we want to create a really um, a cozy space. So transitioning from that sort of perception to something that's actually more casual, more of a bar vibe, more of somewhere where you can drop in, uh, but still do a set menu has um, that's been one of the bigger challenges over the last few years. Um, and then in the last, also, yeah, the last few years, I think labor has just been like the costs 
just straight up labor costs have just been our biggest challenge. So um, what we've been focusing on and what I kind of wanted to talk a bit about today was how I feel the labor costs in Australia are designing restaurant menus and what that's doing to um, uh, to the diversity of and landscape of concepts and in business, uh, probably not just limited to hospitality, but certainly something that I'm uh, more aware of in, in hospitality. That's yeah, such an interesting take. I suppose anyone, it's, it's not unusual to hear people um, talk about the challenges of high wage costs, but then to think about the broader implications of those just beyond, you know, how it looks on a spreadsheet is really interesting. So, yeah, tell, tell me more about what you mean. Yeah, so I guess there's certain things that I, that I, um, I need to do now that I would not have considered um, doing when we first opened, although that's probably quite a, a charitable way of saying it. I suppose I probably, I probably would have slapped myself in the face, but um, for even suggesting to, you know, make sauces in large batches or, or, you know, things like that, like, you know, wanted to do everything fresh, but it just, it just, the numbers just don't add up at the moment. Like if we've got chefs starting at nine o'clock, because of course we're, you know, the, the, the model of paying someone for 40 hours and, and then working 60, 65 is long gone as it should be. Um, but that does, I feel, in, in many cases, change the, um, the kind of structure. So um, I think it, it gives way to a lot of uh, groups, as you, as you mentioned in the, in the beginning, um, where you have that, that model that uh, you can apply and replicate and have those margins down to a T, which is, which is important, obviously, to be profitable. But um, yeah, so that's something that's probably been a pretty big challenge for me is just coming to terms with, um, uh, I guess, a balance of putting out food that I still think is awesome and that I'm still proud of that's still, um, that I would be stoked to eat if I went out, but that is easier to produce for um, maybe staff that don't necessarily have um, a long background in cooking um, and um, yeah, just dishes that, uh, that can be done on a, on a scalable level more efficiently in bigger batches. Uh, that, that, that kind of thing, which is not really something I would have even taken into account when we first opened. Yeah, it's so interesting. Um, I mean, what else have you done or what else can't you do given these realities? Like, can you give us some concrete examples about how it impacts a menu? Um, little little herbs on plates, like extra kind of steps, those sorts of things are kind of out. Um, I think anything that's like just too prep heavy, like um, that would require like, I don't know, like a, like Valentine's or something that we you have to meticulously debone the chicken that we have done in the past and and it's and it's awesome but we just yeah now we'd be more like how do we get these these incredible flavors into something like a uh, an organic chicken from you know our own poultry that's still like an incredible product and still going to taste great but it's not going to take us eight hours to prepare you know um, so that's sort of a, a, a more of a, a solid example. Um, 
fresher sources, maybe not, uh, maybe all of our sources aren't, aren't being cooked for, you know, 24 to 48 hours anymore. Um, but yeah, still, still great. Just, just different, you know. I think um, on those sources, I've chatted to other restaurateurs where they're, they're simply thinking about it's like wages is definitely part of it, but then it's also just using all that gas or power to have something on the stove for that length of time. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Those bills are getting scary, you know, at home as well. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's true. Um it, I mean, what's the feeling like? I mean, you're 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 running a business. You know that you're you're only able to, you know, do the good things if you accept the realities that come with it. But is it is it distressing for you to do these things that you would have, as you say, like slapped yourself for suggesting a few years ago? <laughs> um, yeah. Look, it, it, there's times where it's it's really challenging on a personal level um uh yeah there's there's yeah there's a there is a lot of uncertainty there it sort of seems like because obviously those those um, wage costs are connected to the to the revenue to the taking of the week so if you have a busy week then obviously it's it's in line but because everything's so up and down at the moment more so than ever and i get that feeling across the board with the exception of maybe maybe some pubs seem to be a bit more but more solid, um, but certainly the feedback from um, other owners that I've talked to is just so up and down. The spend per heads down. You know, the people that are really spending are the boomers that have got the cash, that have got the properties. Uh, everyone else is just way more conscious about how they're spending, um, which I totally understand. And so it seems so connected to 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 whether the week is up or down. And so yeah, that is kind of there's a lot of uncertainty around there. Um, I mean, it's it's not the most certain of industries at the best of times, but uh, particularly in the last, I would say the last last year, I'm just, yeah, just noticing a lot of inconsistencies. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. I'm hearing that as well, and yeah, similarly have heard that in that mid mid range, like that. Yeah, pubs are pretty strong, um, but yeah, I think it's. It's it is really tricky, but you know when you talk about simplifying that chicken dish, uh, you know a couple of things come to mind. One is that you have chefs that are um, progressing through their careers without learning those skills or without keeping those skills sharp, and that's that seems really sad because then they won't get passed down, um, and perhaps also they won't have that job satisfaction of doing you know doing that um, that real wow factor dish, but also that you know when that hits the table and you know, I hear you, it is, Aurum is a beautiful product and shout out to, um, to my, uh, uh, to my uh, collaborator, Anthony Huckstep, who chatted to the, um, the guys from Aurum on our producers podcast, go and have a listen to that. It's, it's a great, really fantastic what they're doing and their stuff is so delicious. So, I mean, but setting it, setting aside that beautiful poultry, I feel when, you know, you don't want customers to look at something in front of them in a restaurant and believe that they could do it at home. Even if they couldn't, they couldn't get the same flavours into it. But if it, you know, I think when you take away that that wow factor that comes from putting in that time in the kitchen, I feel like that's kind of dangerous as well. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's something that you've got to juggle. So we we kind of um, try to get that wow factor in like we're, always looking for that angle that element of surprise balance with you know approachability and often we do that through 
uh, twists on flavors that people think they know, um, you know, so there's, uh, you know, there's other ways to kind of, to maintain that wow factor whilst keeping those, those costs in line, I think. And you, you also want your staff to have something to talk about at the table, don't you? Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, yeah, you're, you're, you're so right. Um, but that's something that we do deal with and think about all the time. So that, that is in the process, the technique, you know, the scale in which you can do it. You know, if you're fermenting something, you know, you can ferment a whole bucket goes a long time. Um, things like that, you know, so yeah. And my staff learning is, is definitely something really important to me and for myself learning. So I, as long as, you know, I'm, I've been back in the kitchen for the last five uh, five weeks I've got my head chef away and I'm loving it so I'm like if I'm experimenting and I'm learning then I can be sure that everyone else is learning too you know that's amazing and that's so nice to hear because yeah I, f- I feel like I, I just love writing about food chatting about food eating food and one of the main reasons is that you're always learning there is yeah and I think t- if if that wasn't happening that would be a big part of the satisfaction uh that yeah that would be ebbing away big time mm. yeah so interesting is there anything else that you want to say about that Mike I mean do you want to talk about wages do you feel like that a- the award needs a-, a shake up or is it more about you know just accepting that that's the way things are and and dealing with it dealing with the flow ones look it's a, it's it's the it's the price of living I don't think you know, I don't think people working for restaurant venues are walking around uh, with a, a whole heap of disposable income. I think it's it's it needs to happen. They need to be paid well and fairly. It's still relatively it's still paid relatively low uh, compared to a lot of other industries that you might compare of that uh, that level of management or senior uh, senior position. So no, I don't think it's something that needs to needs to be reassessed. Um, I mean, it should be, it, it, it should be increasing, you know, but, um, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't really have any answers because the, it's the, the simple solution is people just need to pay more for it, you know, but, um, but that's, that's a hard one too, you know, especially at the moment, no, I'm, I'd be quite worried to be pulling our prices, uh, making our prices much higher, you know. Mm, so well said. Um, Mike, I know that you've recently added accommodation to your business, which is a bit of a left field move. You don't often hear of that for a city restaurant. Can you tell us about it? Yeah, it was the most, um, it was the most passive uh, business idea I've ever come up with. It's great. <laughs> mm. um, and um, well, there's sort of the, the, the concept was, um, so I've lived above, uh, the restaurant for since we opened almost um, over seven years uh, it's been so which has been awesome and it's exactly where you want to be when you start I think um, you want to be close uh, but after some time and some would say it uh, could have come before seven years um, it, I think it's 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 healthy to to get some distance and um yeah, focus a little bit more on a balanced lifestyle. So, um, so I made that decision. I've got really cooperative landlords who are fully supportive, um, and I guess just appreciate the the way that we take care of the uh, property. So I proposed to them um, that we wanted to turn it into an events space and restaurant accommodation, 
so uh and you know they helped out a little bit with the fit out but um you know it was a, it was a two-way street and dan and i did most of it ourselves we uh we did have a lot of help my um fiance is a fashion designer who's got an absolute killer eye for detail and my mum's a interior designer and stylist so she was um really helpful and we yeah we pulled it all together over a few months i moved out to northcote definitely a downgrade and in residence but uh but i'm appreciating the space um and yeah and then we so we called it henry home uh you can that we, we do a bunch of packages on the website that you can rent and uh so you can do dinner and a stay and dan and i will host it uh there's a few there's a few options you can have it unhosted you can just rent it out as it is which is great and then um yeah we've been doing these guest um guest pop-ups uh with um with various chefs i think we've done about four now uh i did one with aram poultry actually a few weeks ago um we've got got another one tonight with um caitlin who caitlin cother who's a uh, a fermentation wizard and the head chef at capitano so um her and i have done a vegetarian fermentation menu which is um pretty exciting which so we did that last night we've got another sitting tonight and basically we just sort of move move the furniture around put a huge long table down the middle and it's a big communal kind of sitting so it's a it's a really unique kind of way to experience dinner it feels like a home but it's it's just i think it's a really good balance between luxury but also quite homely and um unpretentious but also with like really cool styling and yeah that's just my humble opinion but <laughs> um but yeah i think it's um that's that's the vibe we're going for anyway um and yeah it's been it's been really cool it is something a bit different and um yeah people were really appreciating it so we'll we'll keep doing those um and yeah and i and i guess the best way to use the space will probably change or become clearer to us so we're still kind of figuring all of that out at the moment but yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun Mm, I love that. I mean, uh, having been lucky enough to go down to Bray and stay overnight or go to Providence and stay overnight, I guess we're Lake House, um, you know, I guess the idea of these rural or regional experiences where you stay overnight is quite familiar to us, um, not so much in the urban setting, but it is it is so nice. I think the, the staycation uh, certainly came into favour over the last few years and uh, I think people are still enjoying that, but I think it's just such a nice concept. Yeah, that, that's right. Yeah, we've had guests from like Brunswick, for example, that come over come over to Carlton North. It's a little bit warmer at this time of year, you know. Um, <laughs> Love that. And, and um, yeah, we had someone from the Yarra Valley stay last weekend who they were came down and for dinner. They were they were raving about it, and I was sort of saying it's interesting because I like to go and get an Airbnb out in the Yarra Valley and and do something similar and just get away. And they were like, you know, they they like to come into the city, and this was just such a good way for them to experience that. Um, you know, the the Melbourne. Uh, lifestyle. Mike, I know produce is so important to the way that you come up with your menus and look after your guests, uh, and it has been the whole time. But do you do you think that, or can you talk about the way that you think diners relate to produce these days? Have you seen that change over the years? Um, I I struggle with that. I like we will always um get our produce from uh farms as much as as much as we can we still work with days walk farm um you know i love to tell that story 
when we can to customers about where it comes from. But, you know, sometimes I feel like, and it, I don't know, it sucks to hear this, but I sometimes just feel like most people don't really give a shit, you know, like they kind of do, but they're not really, you know? And so, yeah, like, I mean, it's important for us and it always will be. There's nothing that that's all we need to really know. But, um, but yeah, sometimes it feels like it's, um, like it's not gonna, it's not a story anymore. You know, like everyone talks about sustainability, local produce. It's like, where else would it be from? You know, <laughs> like it's just the norm, it's just the norm, you know? So, um, yeah, that's, um, that's how I, I Yeah, about. I kind of wondered if you'd say that and I think it's true that everyone talks about it to a degree but then at the same time there's still a lot of produce that's sourced less thoughtfully than, you know, it would be at uh, Henry Sugar. Um, and you sort of think, well, I guess when you're trying to you're trying to keep prices at a realistic level and present food in a certain way and you know look after farmers as well it's I mean it I guess consumers really do have to either be on board with the narrative or just trust you completely and if you say it has to be like this and it's and it's yummy then that's that's all they care about um but I yeah I don't know I feel like that engagement is so much part of doing things better yeah yeah there's a little bit of an educational step in there as well you know to the diners and having your your staff explain that that well and then yeah i think if the proof's in the in the pudding and and it's um you know and it's delicious and and it is one of the best cauliflowers they've had then yeah i think that's that's cool you know but i mean a, a, a story when it tastes like a normal cauliflower is you know i i'd i'd, I'd lose interest <laughs> you know <laughs> Um, and something else I'd love to touch on, I know that cocktails and the drinks program is a really important part of what you do. Can you talk about any, I suppose, like trends or things that it seemed to be interesting in that space? You know, are people drinking differently? Are you preparing things differently? Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, people are drinking a lot less, I think, um, because it's expensive and like it's expensive, it's just expensive to buy booze. It's expensive for us to buy it. It's expensive to sell it. Um, also there's a bit more of a, bit more of a movement, uh, in just drinking less for, I think mental health and general health. So we're seeing uh, a big drop in spend per head on booze, more non-alcoholic stuff. So that's always been an exciting area for us. I think it's still challenging to get i mean there are of course there are places that do great non-alcoholic drinks but the um much as is the case with vegetarian cuisine the finding that level of flavor you have to dig a lot deeper and 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 experiment a lot more i think and so um you often get non-alcoholic drinks that rely on infusions and sugar and sort of find the balance much like a soft drink. So I think it's really cool uh, for us playing around with other ways to impart dryness, impart mouthfeel, to give an experience that, um, you know, to, to use the vegetarian analogy again, that doesn't make you miss the, the steak, you know, you're still just like, wow. Um, so yeah, we do that through a lot of fermentation is a great way to get sugars out and add complexity. Um, yeah, vinegars, shrubs, smoke, um, carbonation uh 
bittering agents that are used in tonics, I think is something that we, yeah, we've been playing around with that. And yeah, a whole bunch of things. We'll give it, we'll give anything a go. You know, not everything works. That's for sure. <laughs> well, if I was going to come in and I was like, oh, I'm not going to drink tonight, Mike, what, what have you got for me? What, what would you recommend for me? Mm, there's a, there's a blueberry shrub on at the moment, um, which we use to make a, a sort of, uh, sparkling kind of complex wine thing, like a spritzy kind of wine, I guess you would call it, which I reckon is, is awesome. That really hits the spot. So yeah, that's, that's, that's what I'd recommend. Okay. I'll definitely have that. And then I want a few snacks. What should I have? Uh, probably can't go past our savory donut with a, with a manchego custard inside. Um, yeah, that's, I would always recommend to start with that. Also, our focaccia has just been getting better and better. We've been tweaking that, and that's um, that's in a really good place. We serve that with ve- our Vegemite butter that we make in-house. Um, yeah, I'd kick, probably kick off with those two things. We've got quite a few snacks rotating at the moment. Um, a uh, Something that I was in- inspired to make after doing the dinner with uh, with Caitlin, who was doing this incredible um, kind of beetroot steak. And um, so I've sort of done a version of that where I've turned it into a snack. And it's a, um, so it's a, a roast white beetroot that's then been uh, pickled and then dehydrated to get this really pull apart sort of steaky texture. And it's glazed in an onion jus with smoked saltbush on top and crispy shallots. And it's really, really meaty. And, and yeah, I, I often put it on our, at the start on our set menu to um, get the taste buds rolling. Probably, I'd probably get you to order one of those. I do not think that would be a hard sell at all. I'll definitely have one of everything. Um, and yeah, the blueberry spritzy wine sounds amazing. Sounds so refreshing as we hit that spring weather. Um, Mike, so good to chat to you. Really appreciate your insights and yeah, all the hard work you put into making Henry Sugar such um, such a favourite place for so many people. Um, thanks for sharing with us today on Dirty Linen. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much for your time, Denny, and for the chat. Yeah. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.